Memoirs of a Self-Loathing IT Professional by Bernie Weezer. Copyright 2014. The Mexican. It had been a few weeks since my first wrist-slapping for finishing a project early. Anne assigned me to another project that was challenged. When I spoke to her about Ted's issue with me, she found it amusing and told me not to sweat it. It became clear that I was on Ted's radar. I tried to be at work at 8.30 a.m., but it was proving to be difficult. I took the train as there was a station a few blocks from my house. It seemed the earlier I left, the longer it took me to get to work. But I wasn't feeling stressed about it because I was usually at my desk by 8.35 a.m. The odd thing about it was that I would see Ted walking by my office about the same time I was taking off my coat. His office was at the other end of the hall, and I was not on his usual path. When I was being interviewed by Banana, I asked Anne about the hours. She told me that the core hours were from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., but it didn't matter much as long as I got the work done. I thought this was a reasonable response. Then the bi-weekly status meetings came where Ted had all the developers in the room who were working on his projects. His big agenda item for the day was working core hours. I work from 6.30 in the morning to 6.30 at night, Ted told us matter-of-factly. This lets me get work done around all the meetings I have during the day. I don't expect any of you to work the same hours, but I do expect you to be in promptly at 8.30 and stay until 4.30. Dean, who looked like he had worn the same t-shirt for the last two weeks, said, Most of us here never talk to the business clients or to the public, so why exactly do we have to be here during office hours? Because it's professional, Ted said with a disapproving tone, because some of you do talk with the business clients and you need to be here when they are here. They might call and it looks bad if we're not here. Ted gave Dean a look up and down. And as I've told you before, our dress code is business casual, Dean. I'll wear a tie, Dean replied with a grin on his face. Don't be smart, Ted replied. Jeans and t-shirt are not appropriate attire. Carlos Mendez came to Ted's assistance. Yes, he said with a slight Spanish accent. We understand and we'll do better, right guys? There was mostly silence in the room as Carlos glanced around for validation. Carlos was an immigrant and he always tried very hard to make the bosses happy, even though it often came off as brown-nosing to the rest of us. Thanks, Carlos. Now before we move on to the status updates, I just want to remind everybody that your status reports are due at the end of the week, and I want you to tell me what you've done this week and what you plan to do next week. I need these by noon on Friday so I can summarize them and send them to Anne. If you can use the format that I sent you, it would save me time reformatting. Dean, this means you. He paused and looked at me with scrutiny. Also, make sure you book appointments with me before releasing anything to production or have any material discussions with the client so I don't have any unexpected headaches. The next day I arrived at 8.36 a.m. It was spooky because, though the hallway was usually empty when I went into my office, Ted came in before I had the opportunity to sit down. Mark, he asked, is everything going all right? I wasn't quite sure what he meant. Yes, I guess. I think so. I'm up to speed on the new contract management system and about to start planning the upgrade. That's not quite it, he said flatly as he sat down. I've noticed that you've been coming in consistently late. I just wanted to make sure that everything is okay because Banana has certain expectations around staff keeping core hours. You've got to be kidding me, I thought. I wanted to say, I'm consistently here at 8.35 a.m. and I consistently leave here after 5 p.m. But I checked out and said, yes, Ted, I know the core hours and I try to keep them. Good, he replied. You know, if you leave home a little earlier, you can have some wiggle room before 8.30. Thanks, Ted. I'll keep that in mind, I said as I thought. Don't you have something better to do? So I set my alarm clock to ring 30 minutes earlier so I could be at work 5 minutes earlier. It was uncanny. If I got up an hour earlier, on average, it saw me get to work 15 minutes earlier. My experimentation proved valuable because as our group got busier towards the start of the drilling season, Ted started booking meetings with me at 8 a.m. 
I suspect he did this just to piss me off. One of the things I enjoyed about those days was walking down to the corner office to visit Jeff, Carlos, Todd, and Dean. Usually those offices were reserved for senior leadership, but our floor assignment was temporary. And requisitioned that the one corner office in our area become a shared space for four developers. This situation existed before my arrival. Unfortunately, none of the developers held any ill will towards me for getting my own office. I guess two windows are better than one. When I asked Jeff about it, he said that Anne just wanted to keep everyone on the same floor. Todd, who was the quietest of the bunch, stated, If any one person got this office, even Anne, someone would lodge a complaint with human resources. On this occasion, it was Friday, just before noon, and everybody was working on their status reports. It was always a last-minute exercise and a chore with minimal information content, and from what I could see, little actual value. I finished mine, so I thought it would be good to have a stretch and visit the others while they did theirs. Everyone, of course, but Dean, who didn't believe in them. You guys done yet? I said, leaning against the door jamb with a cheeky grin on my face. Just close, Carlos said, without looking up. Keener, said Jeff. Dean, who was typing furiously, responded with an emphatic, No way. No concerns about the wrath of Ted? I asked. No way, man. That guy's a jerk, Dean said with a half-smile. Do you know he can tell Anne not to renew your contract? Carlos said with his accent. Not going to happen, Dean replied. And likes my work. Dean drew out the word like a little too long and licked his lips, but I wasn't going to ask. Why don't you do it? Carlos said as he finished his update and clicked send, putting his hands in the air as if he'd scored a goal and folding his arms behind his head and stretching back in his chair. Amigo, I don't do it because I don't get it, Dean started. Why do we have group staff meetings on Monday, one-on-one -on -one meetings during the week, and have to write it all up on Friday? It's bureaucratic bullshit. and doesn't read them anyway. Carlos shook his head. Because they pay you to do it, he said. They pay me to code, bro, and they don't pay me enough to wear a frickin' suit. You know what that's for. The guys in the room laughed. Obviously, there was an inside joke somewhere I was not privy to. What do they pay you? I asked out of curiosity. Never talk about your rates, Todd said softly. I get about $55 an hour and I work about 40 hours a week, Dean said. What? Carlos asked with a frown on his face. My pimp gets me 60, Jeff said. Pimp was a term many IT contractors used to describe their placement agencies. The pimp got you in the door as they were preferred IT vendor and then took a cut off your hourly rate during your contract. On more than one occasion, I heard developers compare this to being out on the street. What? Carlos said vigorously. Yeah, when I started, they offered me 55 too, I said. I thought it was pretty competitive. I looked at Todd. What about you? Todd raised an eyebrow like Spock. I won't disclose this information exactly, but it suffices to say it's competitive. I noticed when Todd spoke, he picked his words carefully. Fair enough, I said, and then I noticed Carlos looked very concerned. What's up, Carlos? Carlos was staring at Jeff. I've been here five years. You get paid $20 more than me. I've been here longer than you. Ouch, Dean said. You're getting raped. You get $15 more than me. That's not time you stole, Carlos exclaimed. Haven't you asked for a raise, I asked. No, my pimp was to take care of that for me. How many contract renewals have you done, Jeff asked. Every six months, Carlos said, shaking his head. They told me I was doing a great job. Dude, you needed to, like, ask for 2.5% ten times over, Dean laughed. Nobody told me I needed to ask, Carlos said disgusted. If I were in Mexico, I would lose my job if I asked. How can I make less than the new guy? He nodded towards me. Pimps don't do anything for you, man. They work for the client. I'd say you need to ask Scan for a big raise, Dean scoffed. Carlos was fuming, and I heard him mutter something under his breath. Por qué tuve que salir de México? Tuckwally said, you only get a raise when you change employers. A couple days later, I ran into Carlos in the hall. He was wearing a jacket and a tie. Why so snazzy, I asked. Snazzy? Carlo replied. What does that mean? You know, you're looking dressed up, I said. Ah, yes, he said and paused a moment for saying, 
I'm having lunch with my mother. Cool, I said. That was my standard response when I didn't have much to say. I heard a rumor you talked to Anne about a raise. Yes, she said. Maybe next contract, because I signed knowing the terms, and she can't change it, he said with a shrug. Did you talk about rates, I asked? I asked for $20 an hour more. She told me that HR policy is 2.5% every six months. That is a raise of $1 an hour. I asked why everyone else is making 150% times more than me, and she said it is not my business. But she said on the next contract she would go to bat with HR for $5. That's an insult, I said in disbelief. Yes, I also asked her to make me an employee. She said she can't increase her headcount. That was another quirk of working in IT. Three quarters of the IT workforce was called contingent. Almost everybody you met doing real work was a contractor. That included developers, help desk support, infrastructure support, database administrators, network engineers, business analysts, and project managers. The employees consisted of group leads, senior managers, and typically anyone that was not project-based with a few direct reports. I'm sorry, Carlos, I said. Me too, he said as he headed off to his desk. Within two weeks, Carlos quit and got a job at another upstream energy company. I talked with Jeff about it, and he wasn't surprised. He also mentioned that Anne had called the three of them into her office and gave them a dressing down for discussing rates. It was private and confidential information. Carlos was working on writing a few applications and maintaining a few more. They were to be split amongst the rest of us because there was no budget to hire his replacement. I didn't quite understand how they were able to pay Carlos if they couldn't replace him. Then, on another visit to the corner office, I was shocked to see Dean wearing a suit. Nice threads, I exclaimed. He has an interview, Todd mentioned. The suit joke now made sense to me. No, no, my wife is a recruiter, and she told me I need to dress for success, Dean responded. Aren't you the rebel, I asked. Won't this cramp your style? Nah, Dean said. With Ted buggering off, there might be other changes and opportunities here. Whoa, wait, what? He quit, I asked, surprised. When did this happen? And told me ten minutes ago, he replied. And he didn't quit. He was given notice. Why? I asked, puzzled. Anne said something about our group being over budget, and her boss was telling her to slim down. It was either Ted or her, he said with a smile. So she's going to take over all the PM duties, I asked. Yeah, he said. That will be fun. Holy shit, I said. I remember Anne telling me that her background was accounting. She got her position back when IT was a new profession and companies couldn't find qualified bodies to occupy seats. It always surprised me how many people were in IT that didn't have an IT background or passion for technology. Ted is going to tell us about it Friday, Jeff mentioned. Friday came, and the meeting was very bizarre. For most of the meeting, Ted dressed us down for not keeping core hours, not reporting the right content in the right format in our status reports, and slipping his schedules. He never discussed his meeting with Anne, nor did he tell us that he was leaving. I remember seeing his temples throbbing. Maybe he's blaming us for his demise, I thought. But Dean summed it up later by saying, What a jerk. His last day and he chews us out. No wonder he didn't get a lunch. This period provided a valuable lesson in performance management. Writing people's asses doesn't make them more productive. Punishing people for being productive sure as hell doesn't help either. In the end, it doesn't matter because those that think they are indispensable are often the first to go. This left me with a burning desire to discuss process improvement with senior business leadership. If you like this story, you can go and download the other stories in this series by visiting selfloathingit.blogspot.ca.